All right, and welcome to another live episode of Rebel with a Cause. I'm your host, Eric, and joining me this evening, the man, the myth, the legend, Justin Campbell. How's it going, buddy? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. <laughs> uh, so for those that may not know who you are or what you do, uh, go ahead and give like your 30-second elevator pitch of why Justin Campbell. Why Justin Campbell? Well, I'm the guy that yeah. nobody actually knows about. I do all of the video work and clips for uh, Counterflow with Buck Johnson, Lions of Liberty, Peddling Fiction. I actually do all the clips for Josh Smith and Break the Cycle. I also completely produce uh, Los Libertinos that Carlos Abelar of uh, Paloma Verde does. And then I oh, do nice. a couple other shows that are not political. So, And I have my <laughs> own little show that has about 15 viewers, and uh, that's a lot of fun, too. Hey, 15 is like a nice little uh, bar area, you know, somewhere getting some people drunk and uh, listening to, to what you got going on. So uh, when I started this one, you know, doing the little thing in my car, I think I had like nine at the highest. And I was like, whoa, I've got nine people who are my friends. And I know and I know and I'm on first name basis with every one of them. But since then, it's it's grown a little bit. So, I mean, everyone's got to start somewhere. So there you go. The so really uh, tonight that was uh, when I started, it was just like three to five minute Facebook videos and they would get like two or 300 views. And then, uh, and then oh, as then it Facebook is going to Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Then, then Facebook like completely fucked me and, and I get nothing now. Like I'm lucky if I get five views on a Facebook video anymore. It's crazy. Yeah. I deleted my Facebook and my Instagram accounts uh, over a year ago. And uh, the funny thing is, is if I can't give you money to pimp my episode with Scott Horton, then what good are you to me? You know, <laughs> Just take my ten dollars, you know. Don't don't give me this rigmarole. It's like, oh well, it's political. We can't do that. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Especially when the, uh, the whistleblowers have made it pretty apparent that that's kind of how they butter their bread is through the political bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could maybe understand if I was like, you know, a super PAC and I was about ready to spend like fifty thousand dollars on an ad. But it was it was ten bucks to promote my episode with Scott Horton to talk about Yemen. <laughs> but I guess that's on the, uh, the on the on the no go list. Who knows? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So I deleted my account, took all my data with me on the on the as I was flipping them off out the door. So I was like, all right, screw this. See you guys later. Yeah. And I was uh, trying to do the uh, the old uh, Jim Brewer from uh, Half Bates. It was like, all I want to know is who's coming with me, and nobody came with me over to MeWe. Like nobody, nobody does. I've, I've I've had so many people tell me just delete your Facebook account. It's like, yeah, but I actually get paid to have a Facebook account at this point. Like I can't just delete the Facebook account. It's, I've I've reached the point that it's not quite that easy anymore. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a, a hard position to be in. At, at that point, it was only costing me money, so it was like, yeah, it's like if I'm going to be here for my family, I have their phone numbers. I can call them anytime, really. Do I need pictures of their children? Of course. I can call them for that and they can send it through a text message. So, but yeah. So, um you're you're quite the uh conspiracy theorist, so I hear. You kind of got your uh, your fingers dipped in a lot of conspiracy pies. <laughs> I uh I, I like to dabble a bit. Um I have some <laughs> ideas on on what's going on in the world. You got some ideas? Okay, great. So now we're going to talk about dancing Israelis on 9-11 and uh, 
Is that is that a conspiracy theory anymore, though? I mean, I, just, I mean, there was video of them. You know, we had eyewitness testimony. You know. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, at this point, a lot of the uh, the conspiracy theories are just factual information that they're trying to suppress. Yeah, uh, Ryan Dawson, who uh, YouTube also doesn't like, uh, he would say it's it's not conspiracy theory. We call them spoiler alerts, Bingo. which is like which is like the greatest thing ever. I was like, as soon as I heard that, I laughed, and then I realized I was like, oh no, no, that's that's actually very correct. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. But, all right, so what 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 kind of conspiracy theories are we going to get into? Because uh, oh man, I've got I've got one that I've been working on for a while and the more that i look at it the more i think it's less of a conspiracy and more legit i don't think there's been a single election that was legit since the civil war if not at least since world war ii I, you might be more correct about that than you realize um i'm pretty much under the assumption that every U.S. election ever held has probably had some kind of chicanery and uh, some some skullduggery going on. <laughs> well, especially if you start looking at, like, since World War One, World War Two, kind of the way that the that the country has shifted and, and moved, and you really saw it, like, like, I think, I think JFK was, I think anything since JFK has been extremely well planned out. Like they yeah. thought that they they captured lightning in a bottle with his popularity and everything, and that he was going to be like this. Uh, he was going to be the next step forward for making the U.S. government into this like what they're trying to do with it right now. And then right. he wasn't. He 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 bucked the system, and they had to, they had to get rid of that quick. And I think everything since then has been extremely meticulously calculated and orchestrated to make sure that because like if you look at if you look at from Reagan to Bush, who was it that ran against Bush? Dukakis or something like it? That's controlled opposition. Uh, like they weren't they weren't running somebody that they actually thought would win. They had more that needed to be accomplished through the Reagan regime, so they let it continue on. And then as soon as they were they had no more use for for that, and they were ready to move on. Then you saw Clinton and and Bush. Bush didn't stand a chance against Clinton, and then. Clinton for his second term ran against Bob fucking Dole. Like that was a joke. <laughs> and then, yeah. And what's then, really funny about that election was I, I actually got to meet Bob Dole when he came to LSU and, uh, and I went to go shake his hand and then I forgot that one of his hands don't work. <laughs> so I was the asshole. <laughs> yeah, I was like, and he like reaches around with his other hand and kind of gives like this backwards handshake. And I was like, Oh Yeah. That's right. Your hand don't fucking work. Oops. Yeah. And that was before fist bumps were cool. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Good old erectile dysfunction, Bob Dole. Thank you for the Cialis and Viagra commercials, there, buddy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this it, getting these like kooky candidates to come up there, and we all kind of thought that with uh, Donald Trump in 2016, it was like, why is the guy from The Apprentice running? This this doesn't make any sense. This does not compute. So in hindsight, looking at it, what what really kind of solidified it for me was, and somebody else had talked about this, but as the the 2000 election, there was all the controversy of Gore and Bush, and Gore had won as far as you know mainstream media and everybody else is concerned, and then Bush won, and that yeah. was like the end of it. Like there was some, 
there was some surface level like bitching right off the bat. Yeah. Nobody fought it. Nobody was filing lawsuits. There weren't, you know, they did the, they did the recount. And when the recount was over, then everybody just moved on. Like if that was legitimately wrong in some way, especially the way the democratic party is the DNC, like they'd have taken that to every court that they could have to get it overturned. And it just went away and it became Bush. It was like, somebody said, uh, We've got to have Bush. He's our guy for yeah for nine eleven. I mean, honestly, uh, <laughs> if that's what we if we're if we're really really looking, you know, from two thousand forward, like they're like we've got this, and we need we need a yeehaw cowboy motherfucker that's gonna you know ride us into battle, and it's not Al Gore. So like they made their decision and they ran with it, and, and then once yeah. you get past the Bush administration, look at Obama. I mean, he ran against fucking John McCain and Mitt Romney. That, uh, no no Republican even wanted to vote for either of those fuckers. Yeah, McCain at the time, uh, he would constantly do the, like these speaking engagements where he would start singing Barbara Ann, but he would sing the lyrics, Bomber ran. And uh, even, you know, hockey Republicans, <laughs> you know, they're, they're like, no, no, this, we, we don't want to just start bombing countries just for willy nilly. You know, this is not exactly how we roll. I mean, you seem very excited about it, but no, <laughs> I was like, well, look, I got a pretty beauty pageant for a vice presidential pick. <laughs> Wasn't that a joke? Oh man. Yeah. And then you just like hear her talk and it's like, Oh, you can barely string a sentence along before you're starting to step on yourself. This is not, this is not a good look. <laughs> it's yeah. And I like it. I legitimately think the only actual legit election of definitely of our of our lifetime was 2016 because they just didn't think Trump was they didn't think Trump was actually a threat like they and, and all the polling data said that Trump wasn't a threat like if, if they looked yeah. at if you just looked at all of that you would have thought yeah that all of the uh, the exit polls were were so overblown. You know, Hillary Clinton made it a point to make sure that she was running against Donald Trump because she thought he was going to be a pushover, you know. So even like my lefty progressive friends, he was like, oh, there's no way that Donald Trump's going to win this. Yeah. This, is Hil- this is Hillary's time. Disney didn't even think that Donald Trump was going to win. So when you go to the Hall of Presidents, the Donald Trump animatronic looks weird. That's because they made Hillary Clinton. <laughs> and they repurposed it to look it's kind of sort of like Donald Trump now. Well, I guess they have similar body types. <laughs> <laughs> Not the same size hands, though. I'm told that Donald Trump's hands are large and luxurious. They're the best hands ever. Like mine, like a like a basketball player. Big, beautiful hands. Yes. Yes, my, my rather large hands with fingers the size of German sausages. So... But yeah, I mean, and even this last one, we basically had Time Magazine running around doing a slam dunk in a in a in a victory lap, saying, "Yeah, we cheated. We totally cheated." Oh, I'm sorry, we're not supposed to use the c word. Uh, we fortified, we fortified the election. <laughs> how, how did that? How did that article not get more more publicity? I, I mean, that's a that's a Time Magazine, like it's a you know major publication, and nobody on any mainstream media outlet talked about it whatsoever, and uh, like. At, I think the only people who were actually talking about it were like libertarians. Like, I don't even, I don't even think Republicans were talking about that article. Like what the fuck? Yeah, it was, uh, 
it was so bizarre that because uh, like afterwards you're just like just reading it and you're kind of like reading between the lines and you're like this they're basically saying they cheated and they're kind of gloating that they got away with it you know you, you didn't even have to read between the lines that much <laughs> yeah 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 so uh i got something to share here kind of going off of what i just uh, was talking about so uh let's see get it out and once you see this, like you can't unsee it, which I think is just the the best thing ever. Uh, let's see, there we go. Prepare to scrub my eyeballs. Yeah, look at this. So that's the Donald Trump statue at the Hall of Presidents, and somebody get it did a morph. Oh God, that's... it's like they tried as best as the, as they could. That's not <laughs> terrible, I guess. That is yeah, I mean, horrific. you're kind of yeah, kind of working with what you had, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> gold star for effort. That's um, it's the weirdest fucking timeline ever. Somebody, somebody got paid to do that. Just, <laughs> Very well. That. Yeah, like, like way more than you and I combined got paid to do that. Right. <laughs> wow. So what's that's it. what's the uh, what's a recent conspiracy theory you've been working on because like that one after i started thinking about it i've gotten stuck on that like uh i guess it was i can't remember who it was somebody somebody had mentioned how the 2000 election just kind of happened and and nobody really pushed back on it flopping from gore to trump or from gore to bush and i was like okay well and, and then I started looking back at elections before that, and I was like, shit, like, none of these have actually had, like, legitimate, like, they run a, a strong Democratic candidate and a pansy on the Republican side or a strong Republican candidate and yeah. just some softball on the Democrat side. Like, there's never a, a legitimate two, two-way race, you know? Uh, so Yeah. Yeah, and even going back into, into history, I mean – some of that stuff was like so ham fisted where they would just have like the U S military show up and stuff ballots for the, uh, I think it was like the North Dakota, uh, race for it to become a state. And they just had like the U S military parked outside the ballot area. And they just had the U S military members vote. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're going to make it a state cause there's a shit ton of gold here. So, <laughs> I mean, every, Every state, every uh, separation of to create new states, like it, it's all served some really specific political purpose. None of it, none of it happens by chance or by accident. Like they, they know what they're doing. There's, there's a, uh, there's a bigger game being played than what anybody is willing to admit. And the people yeah. in Washington right now are not the ones playing the game. They're just, they're just uh, players who are being directed how to play. Yeah. Yeah. They're not necessarily the pawns, but, you know, definitely like the knights and the rooks, probably. So, right. <laughs> well, I mean, even FDR said nothing happens by chance. It's all orchestrated. So, I mean, you never know. Uh, let's see. Some of my favorite ones are a little bit more of the, the goofier nature. So, one of my favorites is the phantom time hypothesis. Have you ever heard of this one? No. That's what is okay. It? 
So phantom time hypothesis is uh, basically the 600s didn't exist. And King Charlemagne was a complete fiction. <laughs> how, how does that work? <laughs> so apparently it has to do with uh, archaeology where they can't exactly prove certain documents or certain things came from the 600s. And uh, I, I think it's like from 600, like all the way to like 932 AD or something like that. Something crazy. I'll have to get it pulled up on the screen here but it was like uh one of my favorite things and as soon as you hear like oh charlemagne didn't actually exist it's like this you know uber european king that we all heard about and so it's kind of it's kind of one of my favorite ones because i'll uh every now and then get back into it and some people get like really super serious about it too i think there's a problem in that people do tend to get way 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 too serious about some of these like because because there are some that uh, when I see them, I'll, I'll like run down that rabbit hole as fast as I can go and really have a lot of fun with it because they are fun. They're supposed to be entertaining. They're supposed to take your mind off yeah. the dumb shit that goes on in day to day life. And uh, so I'll run with some of it and people will get like super, super hardcore into it. It's like, calm the fuck down. It's supposed to be something fun. Like, so, but okay. So it's not necessarily a. Yeah, so here's the uh, the Wikipedia article. So it's saying 297 years from the uh, AD 614 to 911. There, there's that. There's that number again. <laughs> and Charlemagne was a uh, was com was a complete fabrication. <laughs> okay. 911 uh, is an interesting number with a significant historical uh, like connection. Uh, yeah. So, but this is something that I've talked about on an episode previously. Uh, I've done some like religious breakdown episodes, and uh, did you know? So, obviously, like any any Christian should at least know Jesus wasn't actually born on December twenty fifth. Like that's a that's an arbitrary date that was come up with by the early yeah, uh, yeah. early Christian church for specific purposes. Jesus's actual birth date, if you look at uh, if you look at the it had way, to do with like the uh, the the Romans when they did the uh, tax for the harvest, right? So he was actually probably born in September. September 11th would be yeah. the actual date. Uh, that that number actually comes up a number of times throughout history. There were several like major uh, assassinations that were either carried out or attempted on September 11th. Like it, mm -hmm. if you look through history, like all all through history it comes up over and over and over again. Uh, yeah, so, even the know, Mormons yeah. dressed up like Indians and uh, committed a massacre against the uh, white people to get uh, Indians blamed. And that happened on a September the 11th. So, <laughs> isn't, isn't, that, isn't that crazy? Like, <laughs> I mean, it makes you wonder how far back does, you know, how far back does this stuff go? Because we're talking about like going back to World War One, World War Two, and, not sure if any election has been legit, but like these, these things have been getting staged on specific dates and, and that's all over the world. So yeah. what's the, uh, you know, what's the overarching uh, puppet master that's pulling the strings and making all these things happen? Like there's some sort of organization in the shadows that's been like literally shaping all of human history. Uh, you know, whether it be, whether it be human or otherworldly influences, like there's something that's 
there's something that's fucking around with our timeline. <laughs> so, uh, David Ike has now entered the chat, and we're now going to start talking about lizard people. <laughs> and I'm kind of of the opinion, I, I think we all owe David Ike an apology. Because if they aren't lizard people, they damn sure act like lizard people. <laughs> and so I think we all owe him a, an apology. Maybe he was right, but maybe not all of the way correct. You know. <laughs> right. Like, and how many things? How many things are there throughout history that are like that? That it's it's not. It may not be quite as insane as what uh, you know the the really hardcore conspiracy theorists would would make it out to be. But but it's only like a half a degree off. Like they may not be yeah. lizard people, but they might not be fully human either. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely some of that because uh, the divine right of kings, you know, coming down through the Middle Ages and the uh, after the Enlightenment and everything else, uh, they all believe that they were sent to their kingdoms by God himself to, to rule. And so I, I'm pretty sure there was a little bit part of that. And then after the Black Plague and now you have like the basically what was the middle class is now starting to rise through the ranks. And they're the only people who had property at the time. You know, now they're the new rich the the nouveau riche right and so now they're kind of like instilling that same thing towards their progeny it's like well you know we survived because we're just so much better than everybody else so i mean there might be a little bit something to that yeah yeah it's uh the more you look especially for so i studied history for a bit i was i was one of those uh idealistic college kids at one point i was going to be uh <laughs> I was going to be a history teacher and uh, like major in history and really, really dig into it. And uh, yeah, and then I, then I got out and got a real job and realized, fuck that. I, I actually like making money and uh, teaching <laughs> is not where that's going to happen. So, uh, but you know, when you get to digging into, especially some of the, uh, the world history going back for millennia, there's a lot of really interesting stuff that kind of gets glossed over in the way history is taught and looked at. Uh, especially in modern school and yeah and a lot of really interesting stuff that um, if you think about it has a lot of impact and connection to what goes on in modern society that people just don't don't even know because they don't take the time to study that stuff yeah and even with uh history uh i i guess what kind of builds the wall for everybody else and then i love using that phrase uh is you're having to go and try to find first, you know, primary sources for stuff. You know, it's, uh, and Brian McClanahan does, does this really on, on his podcast very well. It was like, well, I can tell you what they were saying back then because we have all of their letters and here's all the sources for that. You know, this is what they were writing home about. And so we know exactly what the soldiers were fighting for in the civil war. And cause here it is. And, uh, so when people get like taught this history from the textbooks, it, it doesn't really rely on those primary sources too much. It's a lot of, well, this history professor says this, and we're just kind of taking his word that he did all the research. So it's all, it's all the, this game of telephone. We're kind of getting it from like second and third hand uh, accounts. Now, you know, you're not allowed to do your own research. That's yes. Yeah. The New York times told us not to do that. It was strictly for button. And don't ask too many questions and quit quit trying to use those critical thinking skills. That's that stuff leads you down a dangerous path of questioning narrative. That's right. That's right. Can't have, can't have citizens out there thinking for themselves and asking questions, <laughs> which by the way, another conspiracy, Charlotte is beats. 
you know, in her great, great book, The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America, you know, she was there at the creation of the uh, Department of Education in 1979. And she was taking a look at the curriculum. And it's like, well, this is just going to make worker bees. And everyone around her was like, yeah, that's, yeah, we don't need people to think. We just need them to work in the machine, work the machines for us. That's it. Yeah. Anytime, anytime people get mad at me for my criticisms of the Department of Education, like my mom was a teacher. Uh, like I have a lot of very good friends who are still teachers to this day. Uh, like, yeah, I hate it for them because I am very critical of the Department of Education. But like the way this thing is set up, it's not designed to make smart people. It's designed to make compliant uh intellectually neutered people who are going to do what they're told and not actually ask questions, not actually do research, just yeah. pull the lever and hit the button. I mean, I mean, yeah. And even if, even if they do become aware that, Hey, whatever I'm being told might not be the right thing. They're going to be so docile that they're not going to raise their voice about it. Look That's at something else I've kind of noticed. Like look at most college curriculums. You spend two to three years doing all the like base uh, prerequisite, type, prerequisite type stuff before you actually get into the things that you're studying for your field. So yeah, in your four all year, of the stuff that you should have been doing in high school before going right. to college. Yeah. Right. So in your, you know, in your big four year degree with your bachelor's, you spend what a year and a half actually learning, learning the stuff that you're going to need for your job. And then right. none of that is actually even applicable to the job when you do get it. If assuming you even get a degree in something that you can get a job in. Right. But, I mean, I have an ag degree and literally nothing that I learned in any of my ag classes had anything to do with what I did once I got into the job field. Like I, I learned all of that. A lot of it I knew because I worked in the field and I was raised on a farm and like I'd been around it literally all my life. And nothing I learned in college actually had anything to do with what I did when I got my job. Uh, I needed to have that piece of paper and that was, yeah, that was it. Yeah. Same thing for my job. Uh, you know, I'm a civil designer. So really all my classes kind of, uh, were worked around the, uh, the computer system that we used to, to make our drawings. And, uh, you know, my dad did the same thing before he became a over the road truck driver, but he got his job because he apprenticed, he showed up on to the, uh, the work site, said he would work for peanuts as long as they taught him how to do what he was going to do. And that's what they did. They, they taught him the CAD program, you know, and back then it was, you know, ancient, you know, it can only do simple lines. Like if you looked at a circle, some of those old drawings, it was like a hundred lines all connected to make it look like a circle. So that's basically how it should be uh, for my particular field. You know, you get a kid off at a high school that doesn't know anything. You teach them how to do the, the CAD program start having them do markups. The next thing you know, they're doing 3D modeling and everything else. They don't need a two-year associate's degree to do all this. See, that's really funny. Um, so I started out at Mississippi State in the mechanical engineering program, and I had a really good uh, I had a really good shop class when I was in high school. So I learned how to do a lot of AutoCAD and MasterCAM and like programming and, and stuff like that. And so when I was at State, I was in the engineering program, but I had to yeah. do two years of prerequisite bullshit so I was yeah. teaching I was teaching juniors how to do their their CAD programming, but I couldn't do any of that stuff because I still had to do two years of this 
prerequisite bullshit. So like I'm teaching <laughs> juniors and seniors how to how to do their programming, but I'm not allowed to actually go do it myself because I haven't had all the dumb bullshit that doesn't even apply to that yet. Yeah, I ended up ended up dropping out of the program and uh, went to. That was when I left. I left Mississippi State, went and played basketball at a little private school in Tennessee for a year, and majored in history. Then I I got burnt out on school and worked for a while, and realized I really liked making money, and the ag field was something that I knew and was an easy place to make a lot of money. So I went back and got an ag degree at Murray State and and did that for a while. But uh, yeah, that was like college was an interesting experience for me, but it was an interesting experience because I bounced around a lot and majored in something new every time I moved and like, yeah, I, I got a lot out of it. Yeah. It's just so funny. Uh, it, and especially when you're, I was in my thirties when I went back to go get that degree and everything. So I'm much older than everybody else around me. And I'm kind of seeing looking around. I was like, why are we taking algebra? You know, didn't we learn this in high school? It's like, can I take a test to get out of this class? And they're like, no, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I should be able to take a test and get out of this, right? But yeah, at one time you could have, but yeah, they've uh, they've dumbed the system down enough that 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 would uh that would actually give you some level of autonomy, and that is not allowed. Yeah, we can't have that. <laughs> yeah, definitely can't have that. Uh, so, what's your favorite conspiracy theory? Oh gosh, um. Who actually killed Kennedy? Like it wasn't. Ah, yeah. That yeah, one's gonna, always going to go down answer. in the ages. Santa, it's not one that I have a good answer to, but like it, it's definitely not as as cut yeah. and dry as, as what it was made out to be. Like that's way too way too simple. Like you don't just you don't just catch that guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's that's the one. Um, there was so many eyewitness it. reports from the sides that never made it to the Warren commission. Uh, just even the ballistics itself. And it was like, it was like, well, you know, he, he, it was able to shoot from the, uh, the Texas school book de- depository. And I was like, except there's a tree in the way. It was like, well, you know, it was November. There would have been no leaves. It's a live Oak. There's leaves on a tree year round. <laughs> right. Like, and he got kicked out of the Marine Corps for not being a good shot. Right, like that's he didn't just like magically become a uh, you know a headshot <laughs> marksman. He, you know, on, yeah, his, on a on moving his target. Own. Yeah, moving right. away. You know? On his own, shooting through a shooting through a tree on a, hitting a moving target. Like, yeah, <laughs> on a on a mail order Italian Carcano rifle, which is a junk junk piece of shit rifle. <laughs> right. Yeah, and they had uh, a was really like reading one of the reports like they had to do a whole bunch of shit to this rifle just to make it accurate enough to test afterwards like they had to add shims to everything they had to bolt it down to a table <laughs> it's the uh it's the general governmental problem nobody in the government actually knows anything about a weapon so you know they yeah they're gonna be yeah we're staging it they're gonna they're going to go through all the things that don't make any sense because they've never actually shot a gun. So that they don't know what would, what would make sense. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald was in Texas. He could have gone to any Ace hardware store of the day and purchased a nice Remington or a Winchester rifle that would have done the job much more accurately. and efficiently. <laughs> right. Yeah. He didn't have to rely on a shitty 
Sears and Roebuck mail order Carcano from Italy that even the Italians hated. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. Uh, I mean, like I said, the more the more I kind of look at stuff, I get hung up on some of those things that, uh, like, uh, I got I, I lost it. It was there, and then uh, then I got was, sidetracked. You know what? I, I saw it enter your brain. And then I saw it leave your brain. That that okay. that's how that's how noticeable it was. <laughs> the Reagan assassination, or the ah. Reagan assassination attempt, was that legit, or was that a uh, publicity stunt? Well, you know, we we got John Hinckley Jr., who's who's now free. He's a he's a free man now. <laughs> uh, friend of the Bushes who was supposed to have dinner with them that night. I don't know. Bush, Mr. CIA, who can't remember where he was during the JFK assassination, but was calling from a phone booth in Tyler, Texas, you know, a couple of hours away from Dallas. <laughs> JFK's body was received by George Bush of the CIA, who also claims he wasn't working for the CIA at that time. <laughs> you know. I guess. I guess it could have been a legit attempt. It just uh, doesn't seem like those kind of things usually end in an attempt. They they usually succeed when they actually go for the assassination. So Yeah, I think what kind of fouled that one up was the Secret Service pushed Reagan in the wrong direction. So he actually got ended up getting pushed into the bullet. But it wasn't life-threatening. If I remember correctly, I think he got like a body shot. So it was something... Uh, it's like pierced a couple of the organs and everything else. Yeah, and then it, got, it wasn't any, it didn't, it ended up, ended up not being anything uh, particularly life threatening. Yeah. And yeah, because, and I mean, that could be right. If they had pushed him in the other direction, it might've hit something vital. It could have been just a complete uh, miscalculation on the part of the secret service that fucked the whole thing up. And then, and then after he doesn't die, everybody's just going to be like, yeah, we did a great job. Yeah, and then there was like uh, there was some shit going on while while he was in the hospital. It's like the uh, the speaker of the house said, "Well, no, I'm the president." And then of course the vice president was like, "No, the line of succession falls to me." And the speaker of the house says, "No, you're fucking George Bush. I'm the president." <laughs> it was all back for, back and forth like that for a couple of weeks. So there for a couple of weeks, there the no president of the United States. So. Yeah, uh, I mean that's. That's kind of why I look at that one as like, how how legit was it? Because it was such a clusterfuck in the aftermath. Yeah. Like, it, was a bit, it was a busy street. There was a big old crowd wanting to see Reagan as he came out, because despite what you may think of him, he was actually a very popular president. Uh, and, you know, this like you had Secret Service agents that were, you know, kind of shuffled in a little small area, and they probably just pushed him right into the bullet. You know, and who knows? It, if they had done... What they were supposed to, you might have been dead, or might not have got shot at all. So, yeah, so it was what, pretty terrible. Where, uh, so, what what are some that you like to look at? Uh, other than uh, Phantom Time hypothesis, uh, <laughs> uh, anything that kind of deals with history. I know there's one about the Revolutionary War where um, some of the uh, the founding fathers had actually goaded the British into uh, into a fight where they weren't looking for one. Uh, 
and I wanted, I almost want to say it was Lexington that this happened at, but uh, a couple of the founding fathers like hung out at a tavern and there may have been a rifle shot from up in the attic of that tavern that killed a British officer that kind of started the whole thing. So there, yeah, there's like some of those where there's like no concrete evidence one way or the other, but it, it seems like it would be kind of fun. <laughs> and see, those are the, those are the really interesting theories because if you look at like, like the, the founding fathers, if they just left it alone and not done anything, like if they just not pay their taxes and not turn yeah. it into a war, like is, is Britain really going to send troops to push that envelope very far? Uh, like they're already at that point, the empire was already stretched all over the world. Like, right. are they really going to put that much effort into fucking with the American colonies that at that point are still providing them with a lot of stuff. Like it, it's not like it's a, if they choose not, not to fight that and make a big deal of it, does it really turn out to, to be a, a this huge net negative for the British empire? Probably not. So yeah. how, you know, how far is, are the British going to take that? But the, the colonies and especially the founding fathers this, in the positions that they had, at that time, I mean, these weren't just, you know, average run-of-the-mill farmers that decided we want to, you know, we don't want to pay our taxes. Like, these dudes had wealth, power, and influence. Like, they were, you know, yeah. they were in those positions. And there was a lot to gain for them by, you know, creating this war. And even if they had lost, they still had something to gain from it. Like, the, it, was a, it was a net win for them. Either way, and yeah. you can, you know, you could go into the thing that they were traitors or whatever, but there was, there was something to be gained from that because at the end of it, like they could, you know, swear fealty and say, Hey, we fucked up, you know, our bad. And they were still going to be very wealthy uh, land and slave owners that had that power. Like that wasn't just going to go away. So, so there was something I mean, there may be something to that because they had a lot to gain either way from uh, goading that on. Yeah, there was a um, there was a lot of that going on back then. Um, and I want to say it was either Jefferson or it might have been Madison, but they actually had their own militia that they had uh, that they had called up by themselves. Like they were privately run, and but they reported to the state. The, the colony militia at the time. So there's a little bit of like strange stuff like that going on as well. It's like, okay, but you've got your own private army over there, <laughs> you know, protecting your hundreds of acres. Well, and the colonies themselves were uh, pretty divided at that time. Like it was, it was yeah, very... New York didn't really want to be part of anything. They were, they were always the last to vote on anything. It was, it was really it was really pretty clicky. I mean, for lack of a better term, like yeah. they all kind of did their own thing and, and it was very divided by uh, different religious groups and stuff like that. Like, like they weren't, it wasn't some, yeah. it wasn't some big unified uh, group of colonies. Like they were all pretty, they were all pretty independent of each other. And, you know, this kind of created a rallying cry for, for the founding fathers to kind of pull everything together and set things in motion so uh, i mean yeah that's pretty I much mean, like 
we all can agree we kind of hate the British. Uh, we, you know, we hate King George. We can all agree on that. We set, our, set aside our little past differences, I guess. It's like, let's... We all have power. We all have money. We all have land. Yeah. How can we turn this into a profitable enterprise that continues to pay dividends that we're not having to fight year in and year out to, to make ends meet and to, and to keep this thing, you know, moving forward. We have to find a way to get everybody together, to get everybody on the same side and, and then to create a system where we can benefit from it and we can do it together where the, you know, we're all taken care of. I I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yep. Yep. And uh, of course, the old Roman saying, "Cui bono, who, who benefits? Right. So if you, if you can chase the money back, you can always find out who, who did what to whom and for how much. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to uh, make it weird once again. Oh, gosh. Did scientists at CERN end the world in 2012? This is another favorite of mine. Because, <laughs> you know, they... Uh, they started up the CERN reactor, and then uh, the timeline kind of took a took a took a little weird skew in 2012. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that's that could be pretty accurate because it was after that that uh, you really kind of start start to see society get flipped on its head as far as uh, like legislative action on stuff, I, like what was it 14 was when the uh the gay marriage thing came around and like up to that point it didn't seem like that was ever going to be flipped and then from that point on shit just got more and more weird more and more progressive (laughs) and if you look at and if you look at society today i mean it's really that that is kind of a interesting popping off spot for where things started to uh started to take a turn yeah, so like the uh, the first paragraph of this story, people were convinced that the world was going to end. The Mayan calendar had predicted it more than 2,000 years earlier, and protesters and time travelers, which we can come back to in, in a second, continued to decry the cataclysmic dangers of CERN's large Hadron Collider, where scientists were taking part the building blocks of the universe to understand how they worked. So are there time travelers? <laughs> Yeah, so that goes into the uh, into the other one. Man arrested at Large Hadron Collider claims he's from the future. But of course, this was an April Fool's joke. So that's where they kind of got that one. So a would-be saboteur arrested at the Large Hadron Collider in Switzerland made a bizarre claim that he was from the future. Eloy Cole, Eloy Molox, yeah, gotcha. A uh, strangely dressed young man said that he had traveled back in time to prevent the Large Hadron Collider from destroying the world. So there and Cole, go. 12 monkeys. Yep, and Cole. Yeah, 12 monkeys. But yeah, that one actually turned out to be an April Fool's joke. But uh, if you're on TikTok because, you know, you're a hipster like me, uh, you, you get to, you get these uh, weird time travel ones every once in a while. And uh, the comments underneath just make me weep for humanity. It's like, really, you're you're believing this. Okay. <laughs> so are there, time tra- are there time travelers, though? Yeah, I, you know what? Uh, it's kind of tough to say. Uh, if somebody had traveled back from the future to uh, kill his grandpa, right? We're, you know, before he was born, are we now talking about paradoxes and what does that look like? And then uh, recently I saw one that said, uh, yeah, you can go back in time and shoot your grandpa, but the timeline will just adjust itself. 
so there won't be any paradox. Yeah. <laughs> right. So kind of my theory on that, which I guess it's not necessarily my theory, but it's, it's one that a lot of people kind of share is that, you know, time is cyclical and it all happens the way it happens. So like, right. yes, you could travel back in time, but there's no way that you could actually change anything meaningful because if you changed it, then it would disrupt the timeline from that point forward where that you never actually went back in time because nothing would have lined up to, to create right. the situation where you did go back in time. And the same, like if you went forward in time, well, what, you know, you're not going to contribute anything to that part of the timeline because you've already removed yourself from the equation. So anything that happens in that timeline happened devoid of you. So like you, you could time travel. You could go wherever you wanted. You're just not going to do anything meaningful. Like walk around. And yeah. It would be a it would be a sightseeing mission, basically. Like, which I guess yeah, that which, would be cool. I mean, I would. Yeah, I wouldn't. Could be you imagine the ticket price on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to going back and uh, you know seeing sixteenth century Europe and or you know. It, seeing things at the height of the Renaissance or whatever, like that would be awesome. And knowing that there's literally nothing I can do to fuck it up because if I did, then I never would have made it here to begin with. So like, right. I, I'm here on a stroll and like whatever happens happens. And like, I have nothing to worry about that. You know, it's kind of a consequence free uh, vacation. I mean, I guess if you died, then you just died, but. Right. So then, then enter the movie uh, timeline you know, from Michael Crichton <laughs> or a bunch of uh, archeologists go back in time to, to save a French castle. You know, so <laughs> the book was way better than the movie folks. I'm just going to let you know that right up front. The book was way better. All of, my, all of Michael Crichton's books are way better than the movie. Just every single one of them, like <laughs> without fail. It's like Jurassic yeah. Park was way better as a book. <laughs> okay. The Andromeda yeah. strain was way better as a book. <laughs> Since we're on Crichton, did you read State of Fear? I think I had started reading it. Um, <coughs> when did that one come out? When did it that was, one come out? It was like, I know it was before his death. So like what, late yeah. 90s, early 2000s, something like that? Yeah, it was late 90s, early 2000s. It was his, uh, it was his global warming book, basically. And, right. And he had like the, the appendix in the back just had tons and tons and tons of research and like articles and uh, like case studies and different stuff that he looked at when writing the book that like basically completely dispelled any notion of global warming or like climate yeah. change or any of that stuff. Like, I mean, obviously he's a fiction writer, so nobody's going to actually like look yeah, at take, him, take it him seriously. seriously. Yeah. Know, you know, if you go through the appendix that's that thick in the back of the book, like, and it's, you know, it's not a big book. So to have a, you know, an appendix that thick, he had a lot of research and study that he put into that to basically just completely debunk everything about global warming and all of, and all of the, uh, the climate crisis. Yeah. Um, I remember when that book came out, there was like a big to do about that. It was like, what was this, you know, novel writer know about this? Um, but I want to say, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. So I'm going to share this one to the screen. But you could listen to him because he kind of knew his stuff. Because he's got a BA and an MD from Harvard. So, you know, 
right underneath there, he's he's got a BA and an MD from Harvard University. So I mean, he would know how to do research. All of his like all of his books, you know, because he wrote really good science fiction. Yeah, but all of his books had pretty good science behind it. It wasn't like completely off the wall. Yeah, it wasn't completely out of bounds. Right. And um, yeah, that was the other thing I forgot. He had uh, he was the creator of the television series ER. So I don't okay. think a lot of people actually knew that one. So pretty pretty sharp guy. Like he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't yeah, he was. Some, he's not a dummy. Up yeah. Did off the top of his head. Yeah. So not a dummy at all. But uh, who do we have here? Uh, this is either Jessica or Cam from the Mad Ones uh, giving me the little blowy kissy face. Thanks, Puddin' Pop. I love you too. <laughs> but yeah, it's and reading those books when I was like a little uh, teenager and everything in Jurassic Park itself, and I was like, it's like, oh, they could get DNA from dinosaurs and then like make it. And then now we're up to the uh, point where we're talking about bringing back the uh, the woolly mammoth, but it being like a hybrid with the African elephant, which was kind of. What yeah. the premise of Jurassic Park was because they were using specific frog DNA to you know to fill in the gaps and splice it together to to make the, the yep. uh, dinosaurs come to life. So like it's uh, reality mimics fiction from time to time. Yeah, and it's it's really crazy when uh, art imitates life like that. So and we're just like we're now like. Uh, you know, 1990 to now, so you're talking like 30 years removed, and it's so much better. So, oh, of course, Cam's got to be Mr. Know-it-all over there, hybrid with an Indian elephant and carried by an African elephant, I believe. So, I, all right, figure that math out. Bring, bring it on. Let's have uh, let's have the uh, the uh, saber-toothed tigers and everything. Like, let's go. Let's go full ice age. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's been one thing, uh, having a little girl, because I get to teach her about all of the weird animals that existed before we were around. So I was showing her the hell pig, because it's like an ancient ancestor to the hippo. And uh, she was like, that thing is real. I was like, it was at one time. <laughs> Once upon a time, yes. Yeah, we went through our uh, daily science lesson phase with the, with the kids a few years ago. They... Now they're uh, 13, 11, and 10, and they're they're bored with me and all of my fun facts. But for for a couple of years, I had their attention every day. Yeah, it, it just gets kind of it just gets kind of funny because she'll, she'll I'll, I'll like pull up all these images and everything else, and she's like, "Wait, that thing is real?" It's like, "Yeah, it kind of was a long time ago." It's a good thing it's not around anymore because otherwise we'd be lunch. So, uh, yeah, here's the hell pig compared to a human being. So imagine this thing trotting at you over the step. <laughs> See, and that's where ancient legends of crazy-looking monsters comes from. Yep, yep, yep. How about, how about that? Is Because uh, that's a, I don't know if you'd call it a conspiracy theory, but it's kind of a, a worldview theory that all, like, comic books and legendary figures and characters and monsters and all this stuff like it's based in reality somewhere that these these people and these things like they actually existed at one time and very possibly yeah. still exist in our world today but they've been pushed down to the level of 
mythology that nobody actually believes it, which makes it all the easier for, like, say, the Superman does exist. Makes it all the easier for him to just go about his daily life like nothing's going on and and not fuck around with that shit anymore because it is a myth. He doesn't even have to live that anymore. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even if he was caught doing something, you know, everyone's got the cell phones in the pocket, but nobody's taking them out in time to record anything. And even if they do, it's like blurry images. So you can just say, it's like, all right, what was that? You know? And they find a way to explain it away, uh, you know, as some with some scientific thing or some uh, light, like the way the light was hitting or a camera trick or something like it, it would get explained yeah. away immediately and nobody would ever believe that it was real anyway. Michael Shermer to the rescue. <laughs> that guy just, that guy just irritates me. It's like, man, you can't be, I, I understand being skeptical of something and maybe not believing the first thing you hear, but then just to like double down. <laughs> it's like, come on, where's your sense of whimsy? <laughs> the way society works today. Unless you can oh, yeah. prove it with yeah. science, unless you prove it with science in the way that they didn't want it to be proved, in which case you're wrong. Right. <laughs> uh, let's see. There was there was another one, and this one will always be one of my favorites. It was the uh, the map of Antarctica free of ice prior to Columbus, and it being fairly accurate for the time, and. Uh, Wow, that's interesting. I'm going to click on the image, and it's forbidden. <laughs> you, you may Maybe have tapped in. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. They, they, they found me out. I say, if the image Let's is forbidden, see. that means you actually struck a nerve. Yeah, really. So, yeah, that, I mean, he's showing, like, the, uh, the coastline of Antarctica, like, prior to ice and everything being discovered. Uh, prior to the actual continent itself being discovered. And he he said that he had based it on older maps. So I think humans were running around the planet a lot longer than uh, previously thought. So, you know, I, that's, that's always going to be one of my favorites. Thank you, uh, Graham Hancock, for putting that little uh, splinter in my brain. Reading Fingerprints of the Gods. <laughs> well, that makes sense, too, though. Um, because, like... Since this is, you know, the week of Columbus Day or Indigenous Peoples Day or whatever you want to be offended by this year day, uh, <laughs> you know, there was all the hubbub that has been made historically about Columbus and discovering the New World. But uh, the Native Americans, they got here somehow. Like, they didn't just, uh, yep. you know, magically grow out of the ground here. Uh, the Scandinavians... They came over well before Columbus ever made his trip. Like people were exploring the entire planet for a long time before the Europe, you know, the major European powers decided decided to start venturing out and and you know actually chronicling this stuff and making a big deal of it. Like the, there were centuries of exploration going on that just wasn't being done by the uh, you know the global powers. Of the yeah. Day and age. yeah, it's like all things, uh, trying to get something like that funded was probably the, the biggest hurdle because then you'd have to go to the king who's going to want to have his name all over it, which is what happened with 
with uh, Columbo there. Uh, you know, he had to go to to King Ferdinand and uh, Queen Isabella to get to get to go over there and get ships built and everything. So I mean, it wasn't cheap by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, you know, and right, and they were, here we they are, years his, later. And, they weren't his first stop. Yeah. Like he 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 tried to get others to fund that exploration before they finally said yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think he was trying to like trying to go into England. I think Portugal was also on his list, and then uh, it was finally the King Ferdinand who said, "Yeah." And maybe not necessarily a conspiracy theorist or a theory type thing, but how much of human history has been suppressed because it wasn't recorded or told by the right people? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I we'll have to ask the uh, the Vatican for that one because apparently they have like a huge archive of stuff. <laughs> when the war when the world finally ends, I say we raid that. <laughs> Just go for that one, right? Straight yeah. off. Fuck everything else. Like let's let's head straight there. Let's just see what world history is really all about before they got their dirty mitts on it and rewrote it to suit their purposes. Right. Right. And I, and I guess it can't be all too secretive and all too hush-hush because there it is, the Vatican Apostolic Archive. And it has its own Wikipedia entry. So <laughs> That's that's, con that's controlled uh, opposition. Yeah. Like that. That's what they want you to know about it. Like they're, not, they're not telling you about the legit demons that they still got locked up that they torture for information <laughs> on what the future holds and shit like that. Like, yeah. I mean, so, I mean that's, that's kind of a fun one. <laughs> just to spend an hour in there to see what you got. It's like, like, let me just look at shelf one. See what you got on shelf one over there. <laughs> all right, man. Well, I think that's going to do it for this evening. Uh, Justin, go ahead and drop all your plugs. Uh, Jcamp1521 at Twitter. And fact check this podcast on YouTube whenever they let me start posting again. And also fact check this podcast on BitChute and Odyssey because they don't ever stop me from posting. Um, I think that's about all I got. Uh, if you got video clips or anything like that that you need done, hit me up. That's kind of what I'm specializing in for the, the Liberty podcast community. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're becoming your own regular top lobster over there. Next thing you know, you'll be doing T-shirts and coffee mugs and everything else with our faces on it. So. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but all right, just a beard. Thanks, yeah, Eric. there you go. But uh, no problem, man. All right, and there he goes. And uh, once I get the show notes down below updated, you'll be able to see all that stuff right there. But hey, you know what goes great with uh, looking at the show notes of every episode? A nice hot cup of coffee, and you can get that from Lorenzotti.com. And use my promo code WAC at checkout. Save yourself 10% on all your orders. Any order over 15 bucks, automatically free shipping. Can't beat that deal with a stick. Anyways, guys, thanks for uh, tagging along. And uh, as always, we'll come back next time with a brand new episode of Rebel with a Cause. Out. <laughs> <laughs>